us that the soil of India is going to be the last theater of war in this part of the world. Friends, I do not know how many of us who are going to participate in the coming battle will survive to see India But whether we survive or not, whether we individually live to see India free or not, we are confident that India shall be free. हमारे सामने एक ही प्रोग्राम लड़ाई का इंतजाम करना लड़ाई शुरू कर देना और कामयाब करना है पर हाथ में यहां है क्या हमारे रास्ते में आएगी सुख प्यार तकलीफें कोई बात नहीं है हम जिंदा रहेंगे या तो मरेंगे कोई बात नहीं है बात कोई सही बात यह है अहम बात यह है आज इनमें हमारी कामयाबी होगी इन दोनों आधा नमस्कार माय नेम समर्पण चक्रवर्ती and this is india's guardian angel with me today we have the founders of stories of bengali hindus mahua and shomati stories of bengali hindus is an initiative started by descendants of east bengali hindu survivors of genocide the genocide exodus and ethnic cleansing of bengali hindus from their homeland in east bengal subsequently east pakistan and now bangladesh is a topic often ignored in mainstream rhetoric literature art and day-to-day -day discussions to the point that the world has little clue that such a thing has ever happened and is even currently ongoing they are a group that has decided to come together document the past be it the genocide or the culture the traditions the dialects the memories and all stories so that they may never be forgotten i'd like to welcome once again mahua and shomodi Thank you. <clears throat> so, uh, Mahua, when did you uh, start the organization, or when did you have the idea of starting the organization? So, uh, we, the members, mm -hmm. we coincidentally met on internet while we were discussing about the about you know the refugee situation uh, in East Bengal, like history and all that, and. Then came the CWA protests, and we started discussing how many people were so mistaken about Bengal, how they had no idea that you know such huge refugee crisis had happened, and it's still ongoing, because no such thing as total population exchange happened in eastern part of India, which did happen in western, northwestern, and western parts of India. So people were very mistaken about our history, and we decided that something must be done. And it was even sadder to see how our own, like Bengalis, mm -hmm. did not know how huge this refugee crisis was, and how as much as 33% of people in West Bengal are of East Bengali ancestry after the partition, of course. So if that large percentage uh, is quite unknown in the consciousness of the Indian mind, then how can we as a nation uh, progress or how, how can we get over that fact when it's still happening? The people are still crossing the border because of various is issues such as discrimination. You can't just you know, stay quiet about it. 
this is why we started this. I agree with you. Actually, uh, I was looking into the uh, larger data of it, and even um, I read a study by Pallavi Chakravarti, where she was talking about the Refugee Displacement Act. So this was surprising because I saw that the Indian government initially uh, made an assumption that all the refugees coming from in, from Bangladesh or East Pakistan would in time go back. In time they would go back and it was decided somewhere that they would not be rehabilitated completely or permanently. This did not happen in West pa in uh, in Punjab. In Punjab all the refugees who had come in were given maybe twice the amount that they had uh, claimed to have lost. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. The, the larger problem was that Indian government slowly kept uh, reducing Bengal's importance in the whole of India. Mm. That mm. it comes from many other factors, but there's a book by, uh, called Agony of West Bengal, I forgot the author's name, in which he elucidates certain points where the Calcutta Harbour was uh, closed down very slowly, their imports were reduced, uh, jute taxes and a lot of other things were happening in uh, Calcutta which ensured that Calcutta and the, the importance of Bengal, as it were, were to be reduced in the national, in the national scale. So that actually makes sense why people in India don't know about this. They would know largely more about what happened in Punjab. And they wouldn't yes. even know about uh, Kolkata and Noakali 1946. When I asked mm. them about it, they're completely, either they have some idea about it or they say, you know, it was a Hindu-Muslim rioting. But the mm. facts are completely, completely different, actually. Absolutely. The... You can say that the Great Calcutta Riots, although started by the Muslim League, it was truly, in a sense, a riot because both communities ma managed to, you know, Fight uh, each other. cause damage. But it was, you know, the Hindu community did manage to defend themselves. But uh, different was the case of Noakhali, where the Hindu minority was such a small minority and the destruction of the Hindu community was so systematic and well planned before that it can only be called a genocide and it was probably the worst case of genocide before partition and it was the uh, biggest factor why the partition probably happened that was the time when uh, uh, this uh, eminent Bengali uh, people uh, these leaders, they mm -hmm. started to campaign for the partition of Bengal to preserve the Hindus of Bengal. Right. So uh, there are several papers on it. For example, the, um, uh, the book, the book by, uh, was it Dinesh Chandra? Dinesh Chandra, uh, Calcutta, the Great Calcutta Killings? Yeah, so yeah, Great Calcutta Kings and uh, the Noakhali Genocide. Yes. It has all the uh, hearings of the Bengal Assembly mm -hmm. that exclusively say how large the damage was in Noakhali and how it's like impossible to go back from that point on, which led to the partition, the second partition of Bengal. And it is quite ironic to say that how little 
rest of India even understands why the partition happened when it was the first partition of Bengal and the Bengal presidency at that time that ultimately led to the entire process of partition in India and all the policies that happened in between the years of uh, 1905 to 1946. So unless people understand what exactly happened, there is no way people can uh, understand what's still happening in Bengal. Correct. Absolutely. So in a, in a way, uh, if we are to sum up what exactly happened in the Bengal partition, mm-hmm. uh, it, first of all, it was a tried and tested experiment as what we had seen in 1905, mm-hmm. the first partition of Bengal. Secondly, uh, as you had mentioned in the case of the Punjab and Bengal, <clears throat> and Bengal so uh, Punjab saw a very violent 47 agree. Like there is no <clears throat> question in that. However, in a way, if you look at it, their population exchange was complete and uh, post the refugee settlement, yes, they did get the, uh, aid from the government, as you had mentioned. So uh, more or less, they were able to settle down and their life con- continued. In the case of Bengal, uh, we do not, we may not know for sure what was the reason why population exchange was not allowed. If we are to contrast, let's say, Bengal with the Punjab, we see the fact that there was a huge population in Bengal, first of all. And secondly, if one uh, reads about the views of the Congress leaders uh, during partition or pre-partition, even they themselves were confused, like whether there will be a partition or whether the refugees should be staying back or not. So in a way, there are evidences to suggest that the people were indeed encouraged to stay back. And like to, to shift um, uh, like such a massive population from Bengal to, you know, put them back in India and, you know, mm-hmm. get their lives going. It was definitely a daunting task, which did not happen. So what we see in Bengal is the result of this unfinished population exchange. Post what, 47, what happened, whether you call the, uh, like, programs of 1950, 64, 71, etc. Hindus have always been the single uh, largest community attack. And as Mohua had said, uh, the great Calcutta killings can actually be called a riot because in this case, there were both communities pitted against each other because at the time the Hindus did defend themselves. However, anything that happened post it is most is more or less a pogrom. Like we yeah. have seen that, yeah, the Hindus being uh, like single-handedly attacked. What we have to see now is the response of the government post these pogroms. So let's consider the date of 1950. Like February happens to be the time when it, you know, the 1950 uh, anti-Hindu program started. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a huge, a massive refugee influx uh, that uh, happened in Shialda. Mm-hmm. The conditions were unlivable. And if I remember correctly, there was even most probably likely a cholera epidemic or disease, disease spreading. And the, it, it was such a huge influx of people that the, the government was not even ready to, to, to take so many people, to be very honest. And unfortunately, we see that during that time... Uh, the government had passed the Nehruli Act. Right. Basically, uh, yeah. So, if we are to like just do a high-level an- analysis, there was there was already a pact, like the uh, Niyogi Gulam Muhammad Pact, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So, the Nehruli Act Pact was just another pact. Basically, both India and Pakistan would be protecting their minorities. So, what happened is the refugees in 1950 were again encouraged, were again like asked to go back, like despite the government knowing there was a huge, a large-scale anti-Hindu program that happened, they were again asked to go back. We again see uh, instances happening in 1962. Uh, that also was a case of a, a large-scale uh, program, but 1964 again, the same thing happened on and on. So, so we see a pattern. So 
we like had the people let's say been allowed you know like uh, to let's say come to india giving all the hindus of east bengal and come to settle so many deaths could have been averted so many livelihoods could have been saved so many so many things could have been done and if you like i'm not talking about only the refugees coming to west bengal there was a stream of refugees coming to tripura to assam many were uh, settled in far away places like haryana uttar uh, uttaranchal uttar pradesh uh, dandakaranya forest even the andaman and nicobar islands so we see such a large scale of uh, human life mismanagement that had happened and the fact is it is documented but it never managed to be a part of mainstream media so this is sad this actually does the fact that in bangladesh even today people pay tributes to men like hussein shahid shurawardi khwaja nasimuddin i never understood i never knew who they were before but as i kept reading especially about 1946 i realized they were the men they were the people very much very much uh, calling for anti hindu pogroms during 1946 i don't know they might have changed later on that's that's not my concern in fact i remember shurawardi uh, joining in with sharad chandra bose to ask for a united bengal in somewhere around 1946 47 so that's you keep that aside but the pogroms that they led during 1946 uh, during the 1946 riots the fact that today bangladesh government still recognizes them as great leaders that fact alone that fact alone that these people are considered great leaders should be something that should scare us i mean bengalis shouldn't realize that this is the man who actually promoted such things there were far more many more leaders in bengal who advocated partition who advocated for the division of bengal i mean what do you think about that i'll go to mohua first then shomodi okay. so about partition of bengal in uh, 1905 uh, it is a fact that uh, prominent bengali leaders the hindu leaders did oppose the partition of their motherland so there was this call for swadeshi movement and all that uh but there was politics behind it the british the british administration obviously wanted to partition bengal presidency and they kind of uh excused it as you know as an uh, administrative improvement because apparently such a large uh presidency was very hard to manage and there were talks of administrative improvement but uh there is also a consensus among uh indian historians that uh and also the politicians bengali hindu politicians at that time that the partition was at that time solely designed to uh break the break bengal because bengal at that time was the seat of uh, the nationalist movement there were uh, several protests in the rural countryside against the british administration and they were mostly led by uh, hindus so that's why by breaking bengal they wanted to make uh, bengalis in the west western part the linguistic minority and eastern part the religious minority so this is why there were protests and of course there were uh, such things as you know it would dis, uh, disrupt the business and commerce between eastern and western side so it would 
really harm uh, many of the Hindu businessmen at that time. But the British administration also promised the Muslim leaders, actually the uh, Dhaka Nawab was promised that Eastern Bengal would be made the new Mughal, uh, this, Capital. this new Mughal empire or something. This was what they were promised. And this is why the uh, Bengali speaking Muslim polity did not support, you know, the, their, the Bengali Hindu leaders at that time mm -hmm. uh, against the partition. So partition would have benefited the Muslim leadership at that time. And this is why uh, you see this disparity between the two communities, why Hindus led the 1905 uh, anti-partition movement. But then you see a different case in 1946, why most Bengali Hindu leaders and even like uh, eminent personalities such as uh, Meghnath Saha, they all supported the partition of Bengal. It was after the riots and one-sided pogroms, especially in eastern part of Bengal. So these are the things that ha has to be considered when talking about partition and who, who advocated for the partition and who led the partition, because these two cases are totally different and they all depend on the sociopolitical reality of that time. Correct. Yep, actually, yeah. Uh, Shumadi, what are your thoughts on uh, this? Yeah, so I'll carry on from where Muhua has stopped. So let me shift to the 1946 itself. Mm -hmm. So we also need to recognize which was the ruling party at that time. So Bengal at that time had a Muslim League government. It was led by Suravadi himself. So the same man who was behind the uh, great Calcutta killings. So, I mean, he was the instigator of it, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the direct action day, if you look at it. So. Uh, he was absolutely not popular among the Hindus. In fact, he had earned a moniker for himself, like Suvarka Bacha Surawati, if I remember it correctly. So it is that same man who was again proposing a pact between Shalachandra Bosch, as you had mentioned, about a united Bengal. Now the thing is, the same man who was behind what happened in uh, what happened in Calcutta, where you know even the police was given a holiday when the things happened. Yeah. And the same year we saw what happened in Noakhali. So how could have one trusted that man with a United Bengal plan? Another thing to take into consideration is that United Bengal was not an entity to be within India. His plan was of a United Bengal, if I remember correctly, was supposed to be a, a separate country. Yeah. So it is then when uh, primarily Shamakshal Mukherjee, he realized that for Bengal and Bengali Hindus to continue forward, they had to be merged with India because the identity of Bengal first of all, is inseparable for it from India. That is, without a, without a doubt. And secondly, there was a need to be a homeland created, which is why we see that, you know, like many eminent Bengali Hindu intellectuals also supported at that time a yeah. uh, movement for Bengali Hindu homeland and Bengal to remain within India. So with that movement, uh, we put, the West Bengal was, was achieved. So if we actually look at it, uh, yes, it was a petition of uh, that had happened, but in a way, we can say without, like, unless there were efforts in the Sikhar, West Bengal today may not have been a part of India, which is even more scary if I, if I frankly think of it. So, uh, yeah, this is the, I mean, contrast if you look at the 1905 partition and the 1947 partition. Right. In fact, the 1905 partition... Just part to add... Yep, sorry, go ahead, Mahava. Yeah, 
just to add that um, the uh, Sharad Chandra Bush and K.S. Roy had laid a condition that Hindus share equal power uh, if, if United Bengal was to happen. This was like Suhrawardi's like uh, proposal, but uh, this was for financial reasons, so that eastern part of Bengal stays connected to the western part of Bengal, so that the businesses wouldn't get disrupted. It was the Muslim League that rejected these conditions that Hindus share equal power with Muslims. So it was them who rejected the condition, and this is why the partition went ahead. So if people say that, yeah, there were some Hindus who did support like K.S. Roy and uh, Sarachandra Bose, like they supported the Bengal unification or whatever, but they laid a condition and that was uh, the share of equal power at every administrative level. But this is what the Muslim League itself rejected. So... A United Bengal would have ne- never happened anyway. It was like, it went beyond, you know, the, the relations just soured so badly that there was no point of reconciliation at that time. That's that's actually a very valid point. Yeah, that would not have, it could not have happened. Um, before, the, before the Calcutta riots were starting, I remember uh, the interim government had formed this is what uh, that uh, what struck me really was, Mr. Jinnah kept talking about uh, Pakistan being created, Pakistan will be created, and all of that, but then agrees to a in uh, agrees to an interim government, and he agrees to it with with the Congress, and the pact was complete. It was later on, I think, uh, a couple of days later, around July tenth or something, nineteen forty six, that Mr. Nehru uh, gave an uh, gave a give a press conference saying that uh, well we made the deal but Congress is in power in most of these states so we will we will have a Congress leadership we will not be doing this Congress and Muslim League leadership he made some very uh, insightful statement inciting statements at that time saying that we will have our leadership not their leadership this is where uh, Jinnah goes back on the interim interim government deal and I think it was uh, uh, Professor R.C. Majumdar who pointed this out that it was from this point that Jinnah decided we'll go on the direct action, we'll go on uh, we'll go on uh, the strike and everything else. So even looking at that you could think that maybe Jinnah might have agreed to an, a united India under the Wavell plan which was not good but it was something. So that was something that really struck me and I was wondering what would have been the Bangladesh or the East Bengal side of the reaction to this thing, would they have seceded or not? So do you guys have any uh, sort of inclination as to what would have happened? I'll go with Shomutip right now. Uh, personally, uh, this aspect is something that I would personally move to study on. Mm-hmm. So if whatever I'd say would be very speculative. So uh, let's say if Mohua could uh, add anything better than me in the Sikha. Okay. Okay, so to understand what Jinnah wanted, we have to go back to the Muslim League politics, uh, right back to the partition, the first partition of Bengal, and when the Muslim League was formed at that time. And then we have to look at the policies that happened then, mm-hmm. which 
the most important one of them were the communal award where different um, communities were given uh, separate electorates as per what Muslim League demanded. And th this is the point where many people like, um, like to see it in a way that it was a good thing that different communities did get uh, equal representation or whatever. Uh, first of all, the representation was not equal when the separate electorates were given to different communities, there were no separation of Muslim votes based on their economic background or their denominations, which did happen to Hindu votes. And th this, is, this is why like, people have to understand why the British administration did it because and uh, who exactly did it? So there was this man, H. H. Risley, the secretary to the government of India, and he was also an ethnographer who uh, basically um, knew the Indian people, the different communities to the core because he himself went to different parts and, you know, wrote down basically just like a Joshua project. Mm -hmm. what they're doing, basically, you know, writing down what communities are, uh, which communities are doing what and how wealthy they are and their so, uh, socio-economic uh, position and whatever. So people must understand first that why they wanted to separate Hindu votes, but why there were not any such plans for Muslim votes. Like, uh, the upper class Muslims were not divided to their own separate category and the lower class uh, proletariat Muslims were not divided to their own separate category. It was because the British administration was uh, particularly hateful against the Hindu polity that time because at that time they had had things like, you know, Swadeshi movement, then later on quit India movement and they were essentially like anti-British movements, which is the reason why the British administration wanted to uh, basically award the communities that supported the British administration and the Muslim League did support the British administration at that time. So, and about Jinnah, so basically, there were several different uh, demands from the Muslim League at that time that Muslim majority areas should uh, get a separate electorate plus their own uh, personal Muslim uh, laws so that they wouldn't be under the common law and that uh, they would also be free of Hindu rule or central governmental Rule. So basically, uh, this uh, whole pact, uh, when you know, the whole pact when the British administration wanted to come down to discuss about the uh, self determination of India at that time, why it wouldn't have worked is because the Muslim League had its separate 
demands. They had their own demands. They all demanded personal laws. They demanded personal separate electorates, and they demanded that all Muslim majority areas should be free from Hindu rule, whatever that meant. Mm -hmm. So basically, either way, it was already like a partition. Partition was basically inevitable. I would like to look at it in a different way. Uh, you also may have noticed that uh, Jinnah wasn't happy with only, you know, the eastern part of Bengal. Practically, he wanted Bengal plus Assam. So at that time, Assam was the entire northeastern India itself. Mm-hmm. And to analyze Jinnah, we will have to see that he was technically a very big hypocrite. So let's say when Pakistan just became independent, so Jinnah had given a famous speech that, uh, you can go to your temples, your mosque, the state will not have anything to do with religion. But we see what immediately happened post the creation of Pakistan. Secondly, you see uh, Jinnah vocally like giving a speech in Dhaka that why Urdu would only be the official language of Pakistan where he himself was giving that speech in English. So point is, we don't, we don't, we don't need to judge Jinnah by seeing what he said. We need to judge him by seeing what he did. And practically, for all intents and purposes, um, he had a clear-cut vision of creating Pakistan, whereas the Congress leaders, the Indian Congress leaders, were apparently confused. So if we are in a tug-of-war between someone who has a clear-cut agenda and someone who are confused, so either way, I, I, I see, you know, like Jinnah like drawing the sword first, like that actually what happened in 1946, see. Secondly, the idea of Jinnah's, uh, you know, uh, getting Bengal in Assam, this stream actually still lives on. There are, There is a, a conspiracy that uh, to carve out a greater Bangladesh, as in uh, basically get West Bengal, the Northeast again, Assam, and some even go on to say as uh, Bihar and Odisha to establish Sobe Bangla. So here we have to see that when groups make unreasonable demands, you cannot give them their share and expect that they'll stop at it. No, we have seen despite the uh, despite giving away Pakistan to the Muslim League, a few Congress leaders had hoped that the atrocities against Hindus would have stopped, the rise would have stopped. In fact, if I remember correctly, it was Nehru who was saying that to uh, Leonard's. I am not remembering the name exactly. I'll, uh, I'll I'll get to you if I like remember that. So, but what actually happened is that no, you don't appease someone who is hell bent on attacking you. You need to, to deal them with that, I mean, deal with them suitably. So either way, uh, we don't think like, you know, Sina would have agreed with the United Kingdom. I, I agree with that. Uh, they would not, he wouldn't have agreed to it. My, my, my point was that had they worked towards an interim government at that point, perhaps, perhaps the violence in Punjab and Bengal would not have happened. They could have had a proper uh, population exchange, which was basically what caused these these uh, these violences. Where the borders were not demarcated, you you would not have that uh, problem. You would not have had that problem right then. Um, so my rather my bigger concern was just that, and the conspiracy part that you were talking about Assam and Greater Bangla.